guys, I'm Lena Ebijamra, and you are listening to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I am so excited to have you on. If you've never checked in before, we are glad to have you. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Hey, do you ever look around you and wonder what in the world is happening? Our world is changing at an incredibly fast pace. The dividing lines between God and culture are becoming so blurry. Even the church seems to have blurred lines as to what is from God and what is, well, simply the culture. Worldliness has engulfed our Christian world. The message we've been taught is that we're to be in the world but not of it, yet being separated from the world has become trickier and stickier and harder than it has ever been. If you're a Christian, are you starting to wonder how you're going to make it in a post-Christian world? In this new series we're launching today, we're going to find out. I'm going to be answering your questions about life, faith, culture, and everything in between by giving you biblical truth for everyday life. That's what Living With Power has been all about, and we're going to hit this square on in this series. Each week, I'll be handling a Dear Lena question. I've been getting questions from listeners now for some time, and I can't wait to answer them. In fact, I'm going to help you move past the confusion between God and culture. We're going to go for clarity and understanding and biblical truth. We're looking for hope for the Christian and a post-Christian culture. Now, we're going to do this ER style, but before we even start, you might be wondering, what does post-Christian even mean? That's a great question. Well, by post-Christian, I mean that we live in a society or a country where most people now no longer consider Judeo-Christian or Judeo-Christianity as America's civic religion or ethical mooring. Today, most people in our country are biblically illiterate, unfamiliar with the Christian faith, and indifferent or even angered by Christian doctrine. As a whole nation, we have rejected God's laws. In fact, today, 35% of millennials describe themselves as religiously unaffiliated or nuns, N-O-N-E. They don't believe in anything. In 2019, only 65% of Americans identified as Christians, and that was down by 12% from the year before. That's incredible. To be post-Christian is to be post-truth. I have my truth, you have your truth. In fact, who knows if there is such a thing as the truth? Well, we're going to answer your questions on all of those things and more in this podcast. No matter what your question is, my goal is to give you biblical truth for everyday life. If you're a Christian looking for hope in a post-Christian world, you have come to the right place. So aren't you glad you tuned in? Hey, for today's episode, we're sprinting right out of the gates with a great Dear Lena question. I'm going to do my best to answer it from a biblical perspective. And by the way, if you like what you hear here, don't forget to leave a review or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you want to send me a question for the future, I'd love to get the questions that you have, and I will do my best to answer them. Simply email me at dearlina, that's D-E-A-R-L-I-N-E, at livingwithpower.org. All right, now let's get started. Every week, I'll be answering one of your questions about life, faith, and everything in between with three points per question, because that's just how I roll. So here we go with today's question. A woman wrote me and asked me this question. Dear Lena, I'm having a really hard time adjusting to the changes happening in our culture. I feel like I don't fit in and that no matter what I say, someone's always angry at me. I'm more and more concerned about cancel culture and how it might affect me and my beliefs as a conservative Christian. What should I do? Now, that's a great question. I'm glad uh, that we're going to start with this question because it really frames sort of what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, Let me start by answering uh, this um, question that you might even be having now. What really is cancel culture? 
you hear that word popping around a lot and you might be just perplexed as I am when I first heard it, but I'm sure you're familiar with it. I'm sure you've witnessed it and I'm sure you just might not know uh, what it means, but the pure definition of cancel culture is the practice of withdrawing support for a person or a public figure or a company when they say or do something offensive. Uh, it's, in other words, group shaming. So um, if you're a Christian, you might be particularly sensitive to this because so many of your opinions as a Bible-believing follower of Jesus might not be in sync with the culture. And so uh, the risk of speaking up about what you, what you believe might be very real. Maybe you have already endured public shaming because of your beliefs. In fact, many conservative Christians now no longer state their beliefs clearly online. And and let's talk about that. So what should this woman do? And I want to frame three uh, ideas or three uh, points to answer her question. And so uh, here's the first thing. And remember that we're going for biblical truth for everyday life. We're going ER style. I'm going to try to weed through the noise and sort of boil down the answer to a couple of uh, big ideas. And so here's, here's the first big idea. The more post-Christian our culture becomes, the less you should feel like you fit in. All right. Uh, that should sort of be a no brainer, but I, I still find it interestingly surprising when Christians are surprised uh, at the way that our culture is playing out. Because if you read God's word, then uh, you should not be surprised by the fact that the more post-Christian our culture becomes, the less we should feel like we fit in. This is in sync with uh, so much of scripture in the New Testament in particular, but even going back to the Old Testament, um, we talk in 1 John, uh, the writer of the, gospel, the letter to, to the church says that we are in the world, but not of it in chapter 2 of 1 John, uh, verses 15 and 17. Those are very famous scriptures where it's written, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there's sort of this differentiation between the way that a Christian should live and the way that the world is. And uh, the more corrupt the culture becomes, the more a Christian should feel a sense of alienism. And that, uh, that word alien is, is actually not made up by me or, or by our culture. It's actually in scripture. Uh, Peter talks about that dude. The, the apostle Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He actually refers after the amazing verses where he describes what a Christian is. He talks in, in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he writes these famous words, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And so he sort of frames to the Christian in his writings that, hey, we're not, we might be living in this world, but we're not like the world. We've been bought with a price. We are uh, to be aliens, sojourners, exiles. The Apostle Paul writes the same in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He uh, ends his letter to the church in Philippi, and he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, this huge shift in the way that we, as followers of, Christ, of Jesus, ought to live. Um, we are, in fact, uh, aliens. We, you know, I grew up in Beirut, and we had a green card, and so in order for me to come to the United States, we were considered resident aliens for some time. So, so we were from another country, but we were living here as uh, uh, visitors, and eventually we applied and became actual residents. But for the longest time, I saw myself as an alien resident, and um, and 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 we couldn't vote. And I think I still think we got to pay taxes, but we couldn't vote. And um, and and so there were distinctions between uh, what a regular citizen was and what an alien citizen 
doesn't want, I can never run for president by God's grace. Thank the Lord for that. But, but this is part of being a, an alien is that you're not like everyone else. And so the more corrupt the culture becomes, the more a Christian ought to feel the sense of just, this doesn't fit in. The more conformed you are to Christ, the less conformed you should be to the world. All right, you're going to either fit into the world or you're going to be uh, in dissonance with the world. And the more Christ-like you are, the more you grow in faith and in Christ-likeness and in the fruit of the Spirit, the more you're going to feel this sense in your soul that something is just not right. And the more familiar you are with God's word, the less surprised you're going to be by what's happening. And so this is huge. I've been really thinking about this concept a lot. I mean, we have lost vision as to the way that we ought to be living. We're so, uh, you know, uh, overwhelmed by all that's happening in social media and all the information that's being dumped on us and often from the Christian perspective that is not all biblically based. And unless you make time, we're going to get to this here in a minute, but, but, but you've got to get familiar with God's word. I think it was Amos who had wrote that, that uh, what kills the people is their lack of knowledge. What kills the culture is their lack of knowledge of, of God's word. And um, that's huge. And so the only way for us to be sort of aware of what's happening is to fix our eyes on the Lord and to do so in his word. And so the big idea here, the, most, the more post-Christian our culture becomes, the less we should feel like we fit in. So when you think about cancel culture, it should be no surprise to the Christian in a post-Christian world if and when uh, somebody cancels you, unfriends you, dislikes you, um, calls you names because you don't agree with everything that the culture is, is, is teaching and going for, all right? And so that's the first big idea. So here's the second big idea. The less you fit in to the culture, the more you need to clearly understand why, all right? There's a lot of people that don't fit in just because they're weird, right? I mean, I, I, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, like, I didn't fit in in high school, but it wasn't because I was a good Christian. It's because I had landed from another planet, and I was a nerd, and I was young, and it was awkward. But, but, but that's not the kind of thing we're going for here. What we're going for is biblical dissonance, meaning what, the more you're in line with the Bible, the more there are differences with the culture. There's a dissonance with the culture, but you got to understand why, right? You can't just be like, well, we're just different. Uh, no, we're, you know, like, you know, I think, you know, growing up, we thought, well, they would know us by our clothes and the fact that we didn't, you know, have sex before marriage and do drugs and listen to certain music. And, and, and that's not really what we're going for. It's an entire identity. It's an entire way of living. It's an entire value system that ought to differentiate us because we're not, we're not um, living for the same goals and for the same uh, endpoints that people in this world who don't clearly look past today, live. And so um, we are given clear reasons in God's word why we should not and why we won't fit into the world. And, and I give you some of the verses we've talked about, but we're not meant for this world. Uh, our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven. We have a home and it's in heaven. And so we have a place that we're going. And so there will be a time when we're going to fit in completely in the presence of God where, um, where purity reigns and holiness reigns. And I don't mean this in the sexual sense. I mean it in every way. Um, there's a purity to love love and kindness and, and, and a character. And so um, we're not meant for this world. That's why we don't fit in. We're meant for another world. We're meant to be uh, followers of Jesus and children of the Most High King. And, and we don't worship the same king as people in this world uh, worship. Ephesians uh, chapter 2 is a great uh, passage of scripture if you want to meditate on some of these things where he Paul talks about uh, how we used to be dead in our sins in which we once walked following the course of this world following the 
abundance of the power of the air. And then he goes on to say, um, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. And so there's this comparison with life before Christ. Colossians, Paul writes the same thing. This is one of the, the best verses. He says, uh, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness to the world is the domain of darkness and deliver and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So over and over in the New Testament, we end in the old, frankly, what it talks about in Ezekiel chapter 36, how we used to be dead and God gives us light and the new covenant life and the new covenant. But in the New Testament, the teaching is so clear that um, we don't worship the same king as people who don't know the Lord. And so we're given clear reason, God's words, why we don't fit in. So the less we fit in, the more we need to understand why. Uh, we're not fighting the same battles. We're fighting an unseen enemy. We ought to, in Christ, see clearly that there is a war going on that is spiritual. And, and again, the more in tune you are to God's word and his ways and what he has prophetically told us in scripture, the less you're going to be surprised by what's happening around you. But so as you think about the battles you're going to fight uh, in this, uh, you know, in this road with, you know, social media and cancel culture and what am I supposed to, should I address this issue or not? And when should I address it? Just be thinking about the why. Why don't we fit in? And so our goal isn't just to stick out and to be sore thumbs, but to have a good reason. And if our goal is to uh, reach others with the gospel, it is, uh, there will come a time where you will speak up and you might suffer um, uh, for it. But uh, be ready for that. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you, Peter said. And the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in those moments. But let's, first of all, don't be surprised if you don't fit in. Secondly, understand why you don't fit in. And thirdly, the less you fit in, the more strategic you need to become about what now, all right? The less you fit into the culture, the, the more tension you feel with the culture. So as we move into a more post-Christian world and the more tension you feel with the culture, you need to, you need to really um, strategically think about what now. What now? Well, how do we how do we handle it now? And so so our call has never been to isolate from culture, but to love the culture. All right, Jesus didn't build a commune in Nazareth and gather his disciples there and uh, you know ban you know bar the door and be like you can't come in unless you know the secret code. That was not Jesus. Jesus went into uh, the to villages. He actually went to Samaria. He went to Jericho. He went to to Bethphage. And over and over again, he he reached out to people that others didn't reach out to. Frankly, he went to where the lepers were. He he went and loved those that were lame and hurting and and, and, and needed a savior. And so we're not called to live like hermits. So your strategy until Jesus comes is not to lock yourself up in the church, bar the door and, and, and memorize as many verses as you can until you die. Listen, memorize scripture if you want to, but, but your call is not to be a hermit. On the other side, we're not called to integrate like butter. So, so we see extremes. We see, you know, Christians who isolate completely, but then we've got the other side, which is like, all right, I'm not going to be a hermit. I'm going to integrate like butter. Well, that's not it either, right? It, it almost should be like oil. Uh, you know, if you ever put balsamic vinegar with oil, you know, you couldn't sort of, it's there, but there's a distinctiveness to it. So we're really, uh, how I see our calling, we're called to build bridges that invite others in. That ought to be, that is the ideal, is that we're building bridges so that people find it easy to come to know the Lord. Um, uh, here, here's a little tidbit that might not happen through politics or social reform. Uh, there's a time where it might. I mean, we see, you know, Wilberforce and the fight against slavery. Um, we see Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who fought Hitler and the Nazis. I mean, there's definitely a time when that has been done very successfully. But what I see on social media in terms of fighting and battles of the words and anger, uh, that is not building bridges. And, and so be very careful about how, um, what you say in the context of re remembering that 
what now? The strategy to reach a culture in which we are aliens and citizens. So we're not called to live like hermits. We're not called to integrate like butter, but um, we are called to build bridges that invite others in. Our purpose, so that's about, that we just talked a little bit about our calling. Our purpose in this world is not accidental. It's not like, oh, let's just see what happens, but very much intentional. Intentional Christians are living in tune with the spirit. You wake up in the morning and you ask the question, God, what do you, who do you want me to reach today? What do you, what is your strategy today? What do you want me to do? I'm here, Lord. I'm available. Use me, God. I'm a vessel. I'm an instrument in your hands. And so there's an intentional living out of the truth. There's an intentionality to love. What does love look like in your life today? And there's an intentionality to boldly speaking the truth. All right? Don't do it as a weapon that beats people up on the head, but do it in love that allows people to understand and know the truth. And so those conversations are not quick tweetables. Those conversations take time, they take relationship, and they take deep, deep prayer. So our call is not to isolate, but to love. Our purpose is not accidental, but intentional. And our power is not in our own ability to convince, but in watching the spirit change hearts. This is huge. I feel like we've gone away from that as we have navigated um, this dissonance with the culture as Christians, and we become worried about cancel culture, the knee-jerk response is to be like, we're going to vote for a president who gets the Supreme Court, and we need a good Supreme you know, judge, and on and on, and we think that we can fight our battles in politics, and that's just not the way of the spirit. The way of the spirit is to change hearts. Now, again, is are there are some people called to politics? For sure. There are many Christians who are serving in politics. God bless them. Is there a time where you are to speak you know, against certain things like abortion, the murder of newborns, and unborn? I mean, you go on and um, there's certain things that are just you know right to do and and to speak against and uh, um, and yet the power to change people is not in the effectiveness of your um, of the words that you use and of your ability to um, convince people it's not this is not a debate we're not back in high school on the debate team I used to do that in high school and that I mean that's so much stress if I think that it falls on my shoulder to convince people in my world to believe Jesus I I will never leave my house. And it's not up to us. It's the spirit of God that softens hearts and changes uh, lives. And so uh, it would behoove us to spend more time praying uh, than tweeting. And so um, how do you make it in, in this cancel culture? How do you make it as a, a Christian in a post-Christian world? Well, don't be surprised uh, when you don't fit in. Understand why you don't fit in. Always understand why that motivates uh, the what. And thirdly, um, uh, think about the what now strategically. So uh, that's our Dear Lena question for today. Uh, this is how these are going to roll, and I'm going to keep them under 20 minutes as best as I can. I know we're all busy, uh, but these are important conversations uh, that need to happen. So if you have a question, send it to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. If you're looking for great biblical resources, check out our website, livingwithpower.org. Tons of free material. We also have an app. It's on Android and iPhone. Um, and here, here's another cool thing. If you are looking for regular Bible teaching uh, that is deep and practical and bold i'd love for you to join our facebook community group i teach every thursday night and uh, you can join that facebook community group by going to livingwithpower.org as soon as you land on the landing page there's a blue box that says join the community uh, click it and join we'd love to have you you'll get to talk with me live every thursday i would love to meet you um, finally if you like this podcast share it with your friends we're gonna have some heated conversations here all um, aimed at providing you biblical truth for everyday life we're here to give hope for the christian and a post Christian world. Um, so go ahead, like this, comment on it, send me your emails, your thoughts, but um, above all, keep Jesus at the center of your thoughts. He's the hope for our lives and he's the reason that we're here. Love you guys and I'll catch you next time.